0: we're kicking off a new sermon series entitled, So What? What Difference Does the Resurrection of Jesus Make? Basically, we're going to uh, be breaking a lot of traditional church rules over the next couple of weeks. We're going to celebrate Easter for about a month long, sing some Easter songs outside of Easter morning and so forth. We want to understand what difference the resurrection makes in our lives. We're going to start this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each to his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, It is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for your word this morning. We give thanks for the testimony of your word this morning that gives us hope and that reveals the event in history that changes everything. God, we ask that you would take your word this morning and transform our thinking. We ask that you take your word this morning and elevate our lives to have a new vision, a vision that reflects your promises. God, we thank you and praise you. Have your way with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you ever want to press the pause button in your life? Do you ever wish there was a rewind button in your life? Do you ever wish there was a slow it down button so you don't have to reach that inevitable inevitable destination? We would almost certainly answer those questions with a resounding yes. Time is ticking away. There is no way to stop it and there is no way to slow it. It is basically like sand being poured out and you are trying to squeeze hard to not let any of it through. It's not just time ticking away, but our lives are ticking away. As time ticks, your body is probably beginning to do some weird things. You are now sore for really no reason at all except for the fact that you got out of bed this morning. And now you are probably getting regular reminders to have all of those fun medical checkups done. The decay of our physical bodies is just evidence that we are dying. Even those of us who have a specimen like this (laughs) are decaying away. It's evidence that we are physically dying. It's a reality that no one denies. We are not just physically dying, no, we are also spiritually dying. We are missing opportunities to love our neighbors. We are falling short of our own expectations, let alone the expectations of God. And we are experiencing a broken creation from physical illness to emotional instability to relational disruption and numerous other difficulties. If we took a reality check this morning, we could easily conclude that we are all on a one way track that has death as the end point, and we will be traveling in darkness at times. We are on a one way track that has death as our end point. To put it very simply, the sand is being poured out. While on this one way track, we each journey a little bit different in the midst of the darkness and also in light of the impending destination. We all deal with this difficult reality differently. Some of us this morning, we simply ignore this reality. Don't think about the destination. Don't think about the darkness. I mean, this is always a good strategy, right? If you don't think about it, it will take care of itself. That strategy didn't work with my taxes this last week. Monday night at 10, they were still undone. I hadn't thought about them. Not thinking about it doesn't change the reality of it. Some of us ignore the destination. Others of us, we find something to pour ourselves into, or sometimes we find someone else or something else to live vicariously through. I mean, think for a second about our obsession with TV shows. We've got to get home to DVR, and then we've got to get Netflix so we can catch up before the next one comes on. Why the obsession with so many shows? Well, let's all admit it this morning. We enjoy their sex lives. And we actually enjoy the drama that they get to experience, the adventure that they participate in. It's like we're living vicariously through them. And some of us may be sitting, oh, we don't watch TV. We're not into that stuff. But we pour ourselves into any, every, any, other things. We pour ourselves into an occupation. We pour ourselves into golf. We pour ourselves into lawn work. We pour ourselves into something, hoping that that something will bring us some purpose, hoping that that something will bring us some hope and some joy. We pour ourselves into something. Usually, that something, though, can't deliver. We either ignore it, we pour ourselves into something else, or many of us live a life of constantly looking back to some golden age. We look back and we say to ourselves, Oh, if only it would be like then. If only all of the young people would be like when we were young. We look back at, at some age that we think was the perfect time. Or... We look back and all we see is missed opportunity. Or we look back and we see mistake after mistake. And as we look back and see missed opportunity and mistake, we're filled with regret and then we simply soak in guilt. Many of us live our journey, too often times not looking forward, but rather we look backward and we soak in In guilt we ignore it we pour ourselves into something else we constantly look backwards or we grip on to the things of this world really tight actually we grip on to the things of this world so tight that the things of this world have their grip have a grip on us some of us hold on to our resources so tightly and all of our possessions so tightly because they're ours we earned them and they give us an extra sense of security in the midst of the darkness and in the midst of the uncertainty this was maybe the one that jesus was the harshest with that jesus constantly said sell everything you have but why did jesus say that it's because he recognized that everything actually had a hold of those people as we journey down this one track toward the destination of death and in the midst of the darkness. We can ignore it. We can go pour ourselves into some created things looking for something. We can constantly look back and wish it was like that. Or we can constantly look back and regret it. Or we can grab on to what we have and grab for more to give us a sense of security. Or this journey can change. This one track can change. And actually today we celebrate an event that put a whole different spin on the one-way track we are traveling. Today we celebrate that the resurrection of Jesus changes us to being on a one-way track to an ageless, imperishable body in an everlasting kingdom. The resurrection of Jesus moves us from a one-way track that has death as the final destination and the everlasting destination to an ageless, imperishable body that will exist in an everlasting kingdom. The resurrection of Jesus has changed the one-way track. This event, the resurrection of Jesus, is central to the Christian faith. Actually, the Apostle Paul argues in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's not just central It's essential. That without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Christian faith. The resurrection is where we draw the hard line. For if Christ is not raised from the dead, the Apostle Paul argues that our faith is futile and we remain in our sin. If Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile. In other words our faith can deliver nothing. Our faith is useless. My grandparents loved the Minnesota Twins. And they used to just live for that Minnesota Twins season where they could watch the games, listen to the games on the radio, sitting on the kitchen table. And every every spring, hope and faith sprung eternal. And it was a genuine faith with Grandma and Grandpa. Because They didn't really study the box score or the minor league system. They had a genuine faith that this was going to be the year for a championship. How did that genuine faith do? What matters is the object of the faith. You can have genuine faith. You can have strong faith. But if you're springing eternal with hope in May, For something called the twins we won't go there it's the object of our faith that matters if you're standing on the edge of a pool and you're going to jump into mom or dad's arms and you've got brother and sister standing next to each other sister says i've got a lot of faith that dad's going to catch me brother says i don't know but i'm going to jump what's going to happen Both are going to be caught. Is sister going to be caught better than brother? It's not the depth of our faith. It's not the longevity of our faith. It's the object of our faith. And if Christ has not raised from the dead, we are trusting in a dead man. We are trusting in actually a man who would then be proclaimed as insane. If Jesus has not been raised from the grave, he went around telling a lot of lies and giving some crazy claims. If Christ has not been raised, we are trusting in a dead man to deliver us from the greatest evil, death. And the Apostle Paul lays out clearly this morning, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Not only is your faith futile, but the Apostle Paul says in verse 16, verse. I'm sorry, verse 17 he says and you are still in your sins in other words in very simple language what that means is is that we are still under the dominion of darkness and death for the ultimate effect of sin the ultimate result of what happens because of sin is death we have death because we have sin when sin entered the world death entered the world and if christ has not been raised Death is still our master. It's our master at the end, but right now then, darkness is still our master. Jealousy is still our master. Greed is still our master. Anxiety is still our master. If Christ has not been raised, we are still under the power. We are under the authority of wrongdoing and ultimately we are under the authority of death. But this morning, we celebrate the testimony that Christ has been raised. We celebrate that our faith is not futile. We celebrate that we are still not under the dominion of death. For if Christ has been raised, first and foremost, we will most certainly be raised as well. This is the argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the Apostle Paul was making in verses 12 through 19. He's basically saying, hey, some of you are saying that there's no resurrection of the dead. If you say there's no resurrection of the general public, you're also saying that Jesus himself has not been raised from the dead. Look with me, if you would, at verse 16. He says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. You see, the resurrection of the general public, humanity, and the resurrection of Christ are, are interlinked with one another. When you have one, you have both. If Christ has not been raised, there will be no resurrection for us. If we are raised, it's because Christ was raised. And the reason the Apostle Paul is arguing this is that Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. First fruit means there's more fruit to come. In the Old Testament, you've got the concept of, of bringing in your first fruit from your harvest for your offering unto the Lord. Well, the reason that God requires the first fruit is because there's more to come in the harvest. It wouldn't be a first fruit if there was nothing else coming. The best way to understand it is that Jesus is a pioneer in the resurrection. You're not a pioneer if no one follows you. You're a crazy guy out on a little journey. But Jesus is a pioneer because he kicks down the door of death. And now you and I follow him through that door. Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection, which means we will most certainly be raised. What will we be raised to? This is great news that we don't talk about in the church at all. Right now, there's a new movie out called Heaven is for Real. A lot of controversy, a lot of churches saying, hey, don't go watch it, da-da-da-da, I mean, it's a movie, go watch it, who cares, it's a movie, it's not the Bible thing. But maybe the problem that we're having with heaven is for real is because we have not proclaimed loud enough and boldly enough that the resurrection is for real. That the beauty of the resurrection is amazing beyond anything we can explain. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in very basic summary, that we will be raised to an ageless, imperishable body. We can't even fathom what this is. It basically says here that our body is just the seed of that which is to come. I mean, take this magnificent athletic spectrum of physical being right here and just magnify it. Thing. I mean, it's not even close to a picture of what it's going to be. We're going to receive an imperishable body. We can't even comprehend imperishable because everything we touch does what? It wears out. Everything they even sell you, oh, lifetime warranty. Never need to use the lifetime warranty. What happens? It wears out. Everything at some point wears out. Yet the body that we are going to receive is imperishable. In other words, decay can't touch it. Brokenness can't have its way with it. We are approaching an ageless, imperishable body. That's what we will be given. That's what we will experience in the next life. If Christ has been raised, first and foremost, we will be raised with Christ. And if Christ has been raised, We do not need to ignore death any longer. We can actually speak about death now. And for some, this needs to happen to help grieve appropriately. We need to know that we can speak about death, that it's okay now to share our fears, our doubts about death because there's a greater promise. We can talk about death openly so that we can hear the promise regarding death. We do not have to hide from death. It's not going to make it any easier. But we can face it and discuss it because we now have a promise that overcomes it. If Christ has been raised, we are going to have an ageless, imperishable body. And we can now talk about death. If Christ has been raised, we do not need to pour ourselves into something that that something cannot deliver. We can now enjoy creation for what it is. Creation. The problem for the majority of us is this. We take something that is good and we make it a God thing. In America, we've done a terrible thing. We've made Christianity all about the afterlife and we've kind of almost neglected the creation. It's almost as though God was like, oh, crap, there's a creation down there I created Oh, what am I going to do now? Well, let's just rush them through the creation and get to the good part at the end. God created everything on purpose. We were given all of this created stuff for our good, for our benefit. The problem is when we take those created things and make them into God things. When we look for everlasting joy, peace, and purpose from something that's just a tool, something that we're supposed to just have fun with. Now because of the resurrection, because we know that there is a life to come, that there is an eternity, we can simply enjoy creation. It says in Genesis that we are created to have dominion over creation. In a simple sense, basically just this, creation was created for us. Human beings were created as the highest life form. Creation exists for you and I. We should enjoy creation, but we should not look to creation for that which only God can deliver. Because of the resurrection, we all, through Christ, will inherit an ageless, imperishable body. Because of the resurrection, we do not need to ignore death. Because of the resurrection, we can enjoy creation. And because of the resurrection, we do not need to soak in guilt for missed opportunities and mistakes. This morning, there are some that are so frozen by guilt, so frozen by previous missed opportunities, that you're unwilling to step out again. You're unwilling to to now move forward because you feel like you're not good enough. Well, because of the resurrection we don't have to soak in guilt any longer. But rather, we can experience the power of forgiveness. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, how much more can He take your bad mistakes? How much more can He take your missed opportunities and turn them into new life? The Bible says that in Christ, you are a new creation. This isn't just some nice religious lingo. This is a real truth about how God sees us. God does not see you through a lens of your missed opportunities and your past mistakes. God sees you through the resurrection of Jesus. He sees you new in Christ. We need to be given living as new people in Christ. Forget the past and press on toward the future. If Christ has been raised we will most certainly be raised to an ageless, imperishable body. If Christ has been raised, we do not need to ignore death. If Christ has been raised, we can enjoy creation. If Christ has been raised, we can stop soaking in guilt. And if Christ has been raised, we can hold loosely to the things of this world. If Christ has been raised, everything here and now is not the best forever. Why is it that in the book of Acts that the apostles and the church are selling their land in all of their possessions? It's because the apostles are preaching the resurrection and the return of Jesus because they know the greatest is yet to come. If the resurrection is not true, the apostle Paul is basically arguing here later on, well, just follow the laws of nature. The strong man and the strong women win. Get as much as you can because this is all you've got right now and enjoy it while you can. But because of the resurrection, it's not all about the here and now, but it's about the ageless, imperishable, eternal kingdom to come. We can hold loosely to the things of this world because we do not find our security in the things of this world, but we find our security in the person of Jesus Christ. This morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has implications for all of us, no matter what age we are. This morning, if you're a senior with us, and I'm not going to put age brackets on you, I'll let you draw the conclusions. If you're a senior with us this morning, the resurrection has implications for you. And that's this, you are not aging, but rather you are in a birthing process. If the resurrection is true, basically all we're doing is we're being reborn into a new body now this doesn't mean aging is going to be easy i don't know this personally but first-hand knowledge birthing is not exactly easy they have this thing called bed rest and stomach problems headaches and all that stuff thing right the the birthing process is a little bit difficult but then when birth comes who stands there and says Oh, I wish I wouldn't have had to go through that birthing process. You enjoy the new life. This morning, you're not aging. You're birthing. It might not be easy. It could be difficult. But your aging will not have the final say. Rather, new birth will have the final say. If you're a senior this morning, You should focus on birthing into an eternal kingdom, therefore focusing on eternal things. I've heard it said that as time goes on, as you get older, the sand seems to come a little bit faster. Even notice this now, it's like, oh, please, kid, get out of diapers. But then it's like, oh, please, lose the attitude, go back to diapers. (laughs) Time seems to pick up when they get a little bit older. And this is probably true for many of you as well. Time seems to be speeding up. And as you get older, you recognize very quickly, right? This is really short. Seniors go, wow, that was but for a moment. And you long for eternity. So if anyone should be concerned about eternal things, it should be seniors. They should be crying out saying, hey, it's not all about the here and now because the here and now is very short. We should be concerned about the eternal things. If you're a senior this morning, you're not aging Your birthing. Focus on the eternal things. If you're a middler this morning, now this is one that could get me in the most trouble thing. If you're a middler this morning, retirement is not the golden age. Retirement is actually a little anti-gospel. Because the mindset of retirement, I've saved up, I now deserve this time on the seashore before I meet my king, is works-oriented living retirement is not the golden age now retirement may be a time of refire a re enhancement but retirement is not the golden age where now i can live maybe the goal is to to prepare for retirement that you can use retirement for what eternity retirement is not the golden age and the youngers whoever you are the youngers The world's promises are not all they are made out to be. The resurrection tells us that the world cannot deliver. And actually, the seniors should be declaring this to the youngers, right? Because the seniors have learned this. Seniors, are you reminding the younger generation that it's about eternity and eternal things? Younger people. Are you in pursuit of the here and now, what you can see, what you can touch? Are you in pursuit of something greater? The resurrection of Christ has something for all of us. And this morning, if you've been through a death, this morning, if you've been through a difficult time, the resurrection of Jesus Christ frees us to grieve differently because now we grieve as people who have hope. We still grieve. And it's an important process to go through and acknowledge that loss of companionship. But that grief does not freeze us because we grieve as people who have hope. This morning, if you're going through that difficult time, you need to surround yourself with voices that will remind you of the resurrection. Many times when we go through the difficult path, we pull back. From people in the midst of difficulty it's not the time to pull back but it's the time to enter in to further relationship and sometimes it's simply just being present and continually genuinely reminding of the promise of the resurrection if Christ has been raised you and I will also certainly be raised the resurrection of jesus christ is the watershed moment for the entire universe because it changes the trajectory for all of creation the resurrection changes it for all of creation that there will be a brand new kingdom but this morning right now let's ask a personal question is the resurrection of jesus christ a watershed moment for you personally Your time will come when you need the resurrection personally. Your time will come when you need the hope of the resurrection personally. Your time is ticking away. Therefore, your time will come. The time will come when you have been completely poured out and you are at the end of your track. The question is, will the resurrection of Jesus Christ be a watershed moment for you personally? The time is now. The time is now to make the resurrection of Jesus Christ personal. The good news today is not that you are not going to die. The good news is that because he is risen, death will not be the final stop. The good news is that because he is risen, we are on a one-way track to an ageless, imperishable body in an everlasting kingdom. Forget about hitting the pause button. Stop looking back. And don't try and slow down. Instead, live in the moment and live on this track this one-way track as a follower of the risen King. The time has come to make the resurrection of Jesus Christ personal. (laughs) This morning, would you be willing to profess faith in Jesus in recognition of the reality that we all face? Death, in darkness, and in recognition of the reality that God sent his only son, Jesus the Christ, to die on your behalf and take the punishment for your wrongdoing, in recognition that this Jesus has conquered death and now promises that each of us can conquer death, in recognition of that, would you be willing to profess faith in Jesus Christ and make the resurrection personal? The time has come. We now prepare to sing a song that actually takes the resurrection and makes it personal. I know that my Redeemer lives. (laughs) My Redeemer thing. This resurrection is for you and I. Can you sing this song this morning honestly and faithfully? because you've made the resurrection personal. I invite you this morning to pray with me, to profess faith in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, we acknowledge the difficulty that we face in this life. We acknowledge the inevitable destination of death. We come before you, God, and acknowledge that many times we have traveled in a way that does not honor you. We acknowledge this morning that oftentimes we have taken a good thing and made it a God thing. We acknowledge this morning, God, that many times we have missed opportunities. We acknowledge that we have held on to the things of this world too tightly. God, we acknowledge our wrongdoing to you this morning. And we ask that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you would forgive us. I ask now, O Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would grant faith to each heart in this room, that you would grant each person the ability profess faith in Jesus. Almighty God, we believe. We ask that you now transform us. Keep us safe. Grant us your power and grant us your strength for the journey ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.